Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, welcome to another week of HF Pod live talking 
all things fish in the month of December and maybe a little bit of January. Maybe just a little bit. We'll get to that here uh, in maybe a week or so. But um, I'm Brian Brinkman. I'm a producer here at Osiris Media and one of the co-hosts of HF Pod on tour. And I'm very, very excited to be hanging out with my good friends, RJ and Megan. We are talking today about a very special date in fish history, usually the second night of a New Year's Eve run, the show that tends to have just deep, dark, crazy jamming and amazing second sets, and that is December 29th. But we will get to that here shortly. Before we do that, RJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing just just fine. Um it's a uh, it's winter, you know, um, which, which is which is good news for me, which I'll tell you more about in in a minute. Why winter is good news for me? Very excited to hear that. And I'm also curious how many twelve twenty nine uh, tape uh, J cards you have behind you. I've got to imagine there's there's quite a few of them. Yeah, it, um, at least at least six. At least pretty six. good. That's good. It's pretty good, Megan. Megan, how are you doing today? How are you how are you feeling after day two of uh teaching third graders this week and um day one of two of talking about fish just like on as deep of a level as possible? I feel great. You know, this is an awesome side hustle to have. I love listening to all this fish. I've been uh having a great time listening to all these super weird, awesome 29th shows and these epic 30th shows. So I'm excited for this week. I am too. I, I listened to a lot of fish over the weekend, which is, you know, strangely not a very different behavior. <laughs> but um, you know, my family was like, you know, they'd hear like a soundboard recording and then they'd hear like an audience tape and they were just like, Are you just what is going on with you? You're jumping around. You're not, you know, usually I just press play and I walk away and I let the fish play. But, uh, I was, I was being very, um, meticulous and we were all in touch over, over the weekend, sharing our favorite moments, sharing our favorite memories of December 29th shows. So it was a ton of fun. I'm really excited to get into this. And giving me a hard time for ones that I wasn't as familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new, uh, we got, we, new aspect of the show is giving you a hard time for uh let's see a day in the life uh opinions and uh 1229 jams that you you aren't familiar with but we'll get over it, i promise we're gonna be we're all good I'll take um it. <laughs> well before we get started here with our deep dive into december 29th um we want to tell you about our presenting sponsors for hf pod on tour our first presenting sponsor here is shift genuine cannabis hf pod on tour if you may have noticed is back we were here in the summer and in the fall and we are back now talking about december fish but you know what goes great with tour we're leading up to the new year's run something that goes great with the new year's run as well as cannabis hf pod on tour has been and continues to be proudly presented by shift genuine cannabis based and sold here in beautiful gorgeous Sunny Colorado. Sunny, I will remind you all, very sunny Colorado. The Osiris team had a chance back over the summer. It was the first time I saw RJ, first time I saw Matt, first time I saw Jonathan. The whole team in felt like years. We all went to Telluride to visit the Shift Ranch. 
toured their grow. It was an incredible operation. It's an amazing experience. Our biggest takeaway was the care and the attention to detail that Shift puts into their flower. The facility was beautifully high tech with every detail in place. We got to meet their on-site scientists, hear about how tissue culture and advanced propagation techniques play a big role in plant health and quality. And we saw firsthand the billions of data points on growing environmental conditions that they collect and analyze to make sure that the bud that you get is consistent, pure, and the highest quality. Shift sells flower pre-rolls, cartridges, and concentrates. Please visit shiftcannabis.com to learn more. And we have another presenting sponsor. And um, I feel like I'm looking into a mirror from last week. RJ, that is just an amazing <laughs> looking sweatshirt. Where did you get that? <laughs> That's why I welcome winter. Um, because I'm wearing this amazing donut hoodie from Section 119, one of our sponsors. Um, they uh, they make a lot of really great stuff. I'm sure you guys are are familiar with them by now. But the, the company was started by a couple of fans, big big fish fans, dead fans, and they turned this um, this idea into a really awesome line of clothing. And I've noticed over the past couple of years, you know, with the donut masks and now some of the the clothes that I have, that the quality is great. The quality keeps increasing and they're making really, really great stuff. And right now they're running their biggest promo ever. You can get up to 30% off for the holidays. So go to section119.com, use the promo code HFPOD, buy something for someone special. Um, I think anyone watching this or listening knows a fish fan or a dead fan um, who, who needs some some gear. So I think you should go to section119.com and use HFPOD. And then, uh, you know, maybe they'll keep sending me these awesome hoodies. That's my goal, anyway. Um, Brian, does, do you do you take a day off from your hoodie? Do you just need a kind of a, a day or two? So, I mean, we're getting really deep here, but uh, I, I I have like a very I don't want to say small, but a very reliable rotation of clothes, like on a seasonal by seasonal basis. And that hoodie has entered that rotation. And once something enters the rotation, it's like I get up in the morning, I have my cup of coffee. I'm like, what do I wear today? I see the hoodie and I'm just like, another day, another day. I'm going to wear it. It's so comfortable. It feels like a hug. I absolutely love it. I, I'm not wearing it today. Today's its day off, but uh, maybe Thursday. We'll see. But we're not here to talk about style. We're not here to talk about our clothing options or lack thereof. We are here to talk about amazing fish, aren't we? I'm really excited for this. I I wanted I wanted to say that we we did a poll on Twitter and I was surprised by the results of 1229 versus 1230. And maybe that's just because I have a couple of biases on, on 1229. But in in the poll, it was um, you know. It was it was very clear that the the fans have spoken, and uh, you know twelve thirty one in a landslide, and uh, it, that makes me feel like we have even more work to do here because <laughs> I think there's a lot of great twelve twenty nine shows, so I'm excited to give it its 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 due attention. I think there are two, and I I think it's it's an interesting vibe between the two of them, and I think we're going to get into it, but but before we do like dive deep, deep, deep into 1229. So I want to just set the table. 1229 tends to be usually is not this year because nothing can be normal in 2021, but it usually is the second night of the new year's run this year. It will open the new year's run, which should be interesting. Um, for me, it's the night when the band 
kind of feels like we have no place to go now. Like we we've we've said hello again. We've maybe played a couple good jams the night before, maybe played a couple rare songs, but now's the night where we feel like everybody's here for the next three nights. The year is ending. There's just vibes everywhere, like just really, really good vibes. But to get to that, we have to get through 1228 usually. Um, and I know that this wasn't in our doc, so I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm playing an audible here, but I'm curious, do either of you have a favorite 1228 show that sticks out from like a memory that, that sets the table for the new year's run before we get to 1229? Megan, go ahead. Sure. I mean, I think if I'm looking at my notes, cause I did write a little bit down about 1228, just cause I had a feeling you might kind of like, so you prepared. know, hit me up with this. Um, I feel like 122897 was pretty interesting. I was actually at the show. Um, Cities, Big Jim, Fun Axla, Good Simple, Good Haley's. I think that 2001 from that show is really fun. It feels like they're kind of using every trick in the bag, but it works so well. And I just really enjoy listening to Mike in that version. I also think just that 97 run was just so fun and i feel like that year was just super hot which is another reason why i think december 97 is number one because that <laughs> new year's run it was so unbelievable um so i think that 12 28 97 is going to be one of my more interesting ones i also think 2012 was pretty cool yeah 2012 that was my first new year's run uh first time in msg was 12 28 12 2012 and that tweezer the maze the wolfman's into little drummer boy so so many good memories what about you rj i was gonna say 97 as well and mostly just because of that the ghost in the machine stuff like remember getting the tape from that that show um after the new year's run was you know the whole new year's run was great and i got i remember getting all the tapes you know within a couple weeks and uh but the the twelve twenty eight show was the most different of of the run just because of that like crazy weird um stuff and it just felt like a kind of magical situation there so that was a tape that i actually went back to quite a bit in those uh in those in those years you know i want to give a shout out to 122803 um i my first year of seeing fish and hearing fish like as the band unfolded was 2003 it's a very year that's close to my heart for a lot of reasons and that new year's run in miami i remember just like looking forward to it i had gotten so many new year's tapes in the first couple of years that i was a fan just so excited for what was in store during those four shows and they come out and they open up with like a 17 minute David Bowie. There's a tweezer two or three songs later. There's a Frankie says jam, a tweezer, a prize to cap off the first set. Uh, and then the second set has just a massive Susie Greenberg jam. One of the best jams from 2003. And that show I think has held up as the strongest show of that new year's run, which is a pretty rare thing. 1228s don't usually end up as the best show of a run. It's usually kind of the table setter foundation. We get a couple good jams here and there. And then when we get into 1229, that's when things get real. I think that's fair. Yeah. I remember we did a live show at um, American Beauty, RIP, on 1229, 17, I think, or maybe 16. Yeah. 16? I forget what year I think it was. It was 17. 17. I, I seem to remember listening to this live when I was driving through a snowstorm in Indiana. 
Well, I know. All I remember is that we were talking about the night before, and Matt Matt said that Trey was dicking around with all his new equipment, and that was the that was that was his <laughs> explanation of what was going on uh, on in that show <laughs> night, which I think he's I think he's since re, 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 recanted. But um, I don't know. Yeah, the, the twelve twenty eight shows can be like a little bit. Yeah, a little bit of a feeling it out and, and feel you know seeing what happens. Um, the the twelve twenty eight seventeen show like that like every show that year was was really pretty interesting I think but yeah there was like a lot of you know a lot of exploration and then the rest of that the rest of that run just got better and better so um, I don't know I mean can I tell you guys about the first December 29th show please because I yes. wanted to tell you that the first twelve twenty nine show was in nineteen eighty nine which was at a club which um, used to be called uh, the 23 East Cabaret in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. And it's now called the Ardmore Music Hall. And it happens to be the same venue where we will be doing a live show five days from now um, called An Afternoon with Osiris. <laughs> and we're going to have... That's really cool. We're going to have two members of the Disco Biscuits, Aaron and Mark and Anthony Kryzon, and our friend Charlie Hall, who's the drummer for War on Drugs. They're all going to come hang out with us and play songs and uh, they're going to play with our house band, Feel Free, and um, we're going to interview each of them, and then they're going to play songs with the band. So I just wanted to get that plug real quick. So if, if you're in the Philly area, you should come hang out with us at the Ardmore Music Hall on Sunday afternoon. But this was a partial show, at least what was released. And Brian reminded me of going back to our our season one of Undermine, going back to the, totally. the 80s, you know, these small clubs, 200, 300 people max. And this had a really good like a couple of really good jams, um, like a, not jams, I guess I should say songs, a really good lizards and, an, and a nice ACDC bag and some other stuff in there. And I had not, I don't think I'd ever listened to that, that show before. So I went back to that to, uh, to commemorate the first 1229 show. Did you guys go all the way back? Cause I, I know you guys were, you guys were spent a lot more time on the more recent stuff, which is more exciting, but for some reason I went all the way back to the beginning. I didn't go all the way back, but one thing I'm just struck by looking at this is the gem set from 1231, 13, like is almost exactly like what they play. Like it, it's amazing to go back and look at 1989 fish and just realize this was something that really hit me during um, uh, the making of, of undermine season one. Like everything is a, classic classic fish set because those were the songs that they mm -hmm. had so you just like you you can imagine them playing a set like this like rhombus narration divided sky yamar okipa acdc bag lizards long boy and then a mike's groove like that right there would just i don't know like all those songs in a row would just blow people away at this point it's 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 amazing to see them play like this uh in the late 80s on the cusp of the 90s that's where I really started. I didn't start till like 93. I think I started listening in 93. All right. Well, that's totally fair. I mean, there yeah. wasn't, there was a 1990 show, which, which was, um, they had, they played destiny and a nice antelope and a good Bowie. And they, you can hear the progression. Um, but I, one thing I just wanted to, before we get to the kind of, you know, the, the prominent 1229s in 92, you can hear, and that's why the, doing these kinds of listening exercises are fun. You can hear how they evolve. Like in 1990, mm -hmm. I think yeah. it was in Providence. They played a club, you know, and then in 92, we're in like a theater and the acoustics are different. The The sound is different. And 
the 92 show is it's really good the runaway gym to start which is you know to me the best the best opener um and a really really cool tweezer um in the the 1229-92 show that um the jam was really i guess in, in 92 is kind of when those tweezers started getting a little more experimental there's a few from that year that are great um which we could spend a lot of time talking about probably but um i thought that was a pretty cool show so i'm glad i went back and revisited some of these early ones but the the real deal kind of started in in 93 megan do you do you do you agree or brian sorry yeah, no, I mean, I really was listening a lot to those mid '90s shows and just thinking about how much they were changing during that time, and how also this date to me, when I listened to all of these shows back to back, it really felt like a night when they can explore. Like that was the big takeaway. I, whether it's like them, you know, having Mike's bass instructor come on and do like a jam with him <laughs> in '95, or them doing like this rotation jam and Mike's playing sixteen candles on the piano or they're doing this like monster Bowie. I think they're always trying just totally out of the box things on this date. And that to me is always a good place for fish, right? Like when they're trying lots of different things and feeling really open creatively, I think those usually lead to some really cool fish shows. Sometimes it doesn't work as well, but I think that some of these 29 shows are just so fun to listen to because they're, they are so interesting. It, it kind of feels like the, one night of the run where obviously there's built-in expectations now because there have been so many classic 29 shows but it's like the only night of the run that can be just the normal fish show um and i think about it in the sense of like how 1029 uh 2021 was in the las vegas run where you have these two gimmicky shows that one works really well one doesn't work as well on 1028 1030 you have the halloween show that there's a lot of built-in stuff there and 1029 21 was just like a fish show and it was a really really good fish show and i think you know in that sense the 29th also at its best kind of showcases to your point, Megan, like the experimentations, the larger goals of the year that's about to be closed out. Um, you know, you think starting with 1994's uh, Providence Bowie show, which I think we'll probably spend a lot of time talking about throughout this, but just to bring it on early, early on in the, in the conversation here, like that David Bowie is kind of a culmination of a lot of things that they had been trying for the previous two or three months. And, you know, you think about the 30th, there's such a, you know, kind of historic lore over that night. It's the night before New Year's. It's the night where like people are starting to feel that, okay, the year is really coming to an end. What do I need to do before the end of the year? New Year's Eve, there's always going to be a lot of camaraderie around it. The 29th, they come on, not a ton of expectations. And it's the kind of show where you're going to get a 35 minute David Bowie, the bathtub gin real me bathtub gin um you're gonna get that four song four or five song second set in 97 that just like encapsulates what 97 was about what what are your thoughts on kind of what the 29th means rj i guess i mean to me not much but now that you explained it like that i guess it, it maybe there is some meaning to it i have a <laughs> i have like a i have an uh fascination with how Brian, how you ascribe intentionality to so much of what fish music is mm. that I don't. 
Because I just feel like they just go and they play shows and then, you know, maybe you can draw some conclusions or patterns after. But you you see these like through lines that I don't really ever see. So that's fascinating. I feel like maybe there's the getting comfortable in a venue sort of, you know, but but I guess early on they were kind of hopping around, um, you know, in, before they started settling in for long runs in, in one place. So I don't know. I, I think that's I think that's a good perspective i just feel like they i don't know do you get i don't know megan do you do you feel like that there's like a build up to new year's and can you see that that kind of steady steady build because i think i'm and i'm not i'm not um i'm not trying to make fun of you brian i think it's amazing i just think i'm missing just something keep going it's okay i just think i'm <laughs> missing something megan do you do you see that i mean i think there's a bit of both right i mean sometimes i think that the band is very aware of things that they're doing and they are like having historic nods to things. And then I think other times they're just going on to play a fish show. And I think that I do see times when they are making very specific references to things they've done in the past. You know, you think about um, like 12, 30, 2019, they were obviously like really commenting on the fact that it was 25 years since the first time they played at MSG. Right. I think they're aware of their history maybe not as much as, someone who has such an incredible brain like Brian that he can remember all of these things in a way that I probably think Fish doesn't doesn't do. But um, I think that they definitely are aware of their history and kind of what things mean to them and to their fans. But I also do think that they are just kind of, you know, playing a Fish show sometimes. But I think the lead up to New Year's is real. I think this is the last time they're going to be playing for a while. They're usually coming off some pretty hot fall tours, you know, fall inarguably probably the best tours for, for fish. So I think there is kind of a crescendo and a build up to the end of the year. And I think people are just so excited. I think the first night when it's the 29th or the, the first night of one of these runs is super exciting. You know, there's just such an excitement in the venue and everybody's like, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for all year. I think people spend a lot of time planning for these shows. I think that the band does too. You know, I think that they're rehearsing or practicing their gag and getting ready for like, their big event at the end of the year. So I think it might be a combination. The last point, like I'd be really curious how much discussion is happening during sound check and backstage about the new year's gag and how, and I, I think the same way about like Halloween, you know, we went to all these fall tour shows and they just kept being such a, you know, this show was incredible. This show was incredible. Oh my God. Now this show was incredible. You know, it just had this feeling that every single night, I don't know if it was getting better, but it was just like this sustained level of excellence. And meanwhile, the band knows we're going to have to perform in spacesuits or, you know, for whatever's going on with New Year's, like we're going to be elevated above the crowd or there's going to be, you know, think like 2016, like a mass of dogs and cats and balloons are going to fall down on us. And we're going to somehow have to play through that. Like there's always something that goes into these new Year's shows that logistically is, is outside of just the band playing music. And I'd be curious to know, like, is it the 28th that they start having these conversations? Is the 29th? Is there any like, you know, concerns about what they're going to, can we pull this off type of thing and how that impacts the music? Because you, you literally hear nothing about it until the moment the gag happens on new year's. And up until then it's just music. And usually it's like a condensed form 
of whatever we heard the year before with maybe some, you know, evolutionary next steps in terms of like a preview of where the band is going. There must be a lot of rehearsal though. I mean, I think of like the Petrichor year where, you know, it's raining on stage. You have like, you know, just a tremendous amount going on stage or 2019 when you have all of these people dancing and these raised platforms, like that takes a lot of rehearsal. So I would imagine they're spending quite a bit of time thinking about this, which also just shows how incredible they are that they can go on the night before and two nights before and just blow it out. Some incredible show that, yeah, totally unrelated. I mean, it's just, that's obscene. Like, I think that like, you know, when you think about theater and how much it takes to produce a show, the same show every night, these guys are doing this like every night in a row, completely different shows. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It is. And I think, Brian, the, the, to your kind of thought about the New Year's run and how it, how it builds, I mean, the 29th, I think, is that's what, part of the reason I was surprised that it didn't perform better against 1230, because I feel like there aren't that many 1229 shows that are like really skippable. Um, and I do think the 30th tends to be like more out there somehow. Like, well, I, I guess I just think about 95 and 97 and and some of the some of the shows were like the the 30th i mean and, and more recently right they're just like way longer more out there jams maybe by that night they're they're ready for the next night and can kind of like just go play whereas the nights before that there's a little bit more maybe like you said megan maybe more logistical you know rehearsal or or figuring out of details but it seems like the 29th always there's, it's always a fun show. Like it's, I feel like it's the show mm-hmm. that I've seen the most of in, in terms of New Year's run shows. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's, I think I've seen more twelve twenty nine shows than than other New Year's run shows. I think the other thing about these two shows is like, and we'll get into twelve thirty on on Thursday, and we'll talk about that more in depth. But twelve twenty nine and twelve thirty feel like siblings to me and like you know in the best of years of fish a 1229 and a 1230 have like backed up against each other and been really strong i'm thinking 1997 uh 2018 both had a really strong 1229 and you were like there's no way they can top that and then they came out in 1230 and played another incredible show um you know it's almost like you're planning a party but all of your friends come to town ahead of the party and you just like get into it like two, one or two nights before the party. And that's like where the memories are made. And then like you get to the party and that's just not as like, there's so much build up to new year's Eve. And I remember um, for a variety of reasons, I'm currently reading the fish book for like the 200th time. And it's just fascinating to go back to it and, and, hear and and read what the band thought of themselves in 1997 but also to like look at it with perspective of like what they thought of themselves not knowing what was coming over the next 25 years but trey mentions that there's just like so much chaos and so much excitement built up on the new year's eve show that they always find that they play their best shows on the 29th and 30th and part of that probably is like everyone's there everyone's in a really good mood everyone's ready to party but there's no pressure nobody cares rolling stones not documenting the 29th or the 30th you know um there's certain people that maybe only bought tickets to the 31st because they just want the new year's party but like you know the fans that know that this this run tends to peak in the middle of the, of the run are, are there and they're they're really listening they're really dedicated so i don't know it's it's got that vibe of like 
it's the night before the night. And, and the 29th shares that in a lot of cases. I mean, it's just like how you don't always want to go out in New York City on New Year's Eve, right? Because it's just like right. it's a lot. Like there's a lot of people out who just aren't normally there and it's crazy and it's like long lines and it's stressful. It's the same way, I think, being at a fish show, like leading up to that. I've skipped the 31st before multiple times because I just feel like the best shows are before and also just the intensity of the 31st and like, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I think that the 29th and 30th shows are, I don't know. They're like, they're just a little bit more kind of interesting to me. That's a good point fair. about New York City. I, 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 I feel that like I've only been to two New Year's runs, both at MSG, but like, and, and in both of them, I think I slept like a combined 10 hours across the entire time I was there. Like <laughs> I just went all in. And you come out of the fish show on the 29th and the 30th, and it's just like a normal night in New York City. And you like go to a another bar, you go to a jazz club, or you go get food. Like there's just it's just New York like operating. But then you come out on the 31st and it's like something has happened and something crazy has gone down. Not really that crazy, not you know, but like there's just a lot of people everywhere. And it's just, it's, it's a lot of chaos and, and it kind of feels that way going into the fish show on the 29th and 30th versus the 31st as well. Yeah. I think the, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of 29th and 30th shows and only one 31st show ever. So what year was that? 2017. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's multiple that's one of multiple reasons why i shouldn't be doing this you know there's, there's many reasons but that's that's a good that's a big one um, um but well uh, brian are we gonna go through these like more or are we what do we do next because i want to talk about some of these shows there, there's so much me too there's so, so much. we're gonna get into the jams here before we do that we're gonna give a quick reminder to all of our listeners out here about our presenting sponsors um megan would you like to tell us a bit about Shift Genuine Cannabis? Yes, we want to remind you all that HF Pod on Tour is proudly presented by Shift Genuine Cannabis, which is based and sold, as a lot of you know, in Brian's lovely state of Colorado. Shift sunny. sells flower, sunny state, great weather. It's not crappy like Brooklyn where I am. Uh, Shift sells flour, pre-rolls, cartridges, and concentrates. So you can visit shiftcannabis.com to learn more. And I would like to tell you again about Section 119, our sponsor, this amazing donut hoodie that I'm wearing right now, um, which I will be wearing to World Cafe Live in a couple hours to go see Piss Golden Messenger, Brian. And um, I'm very excited about that. But but that's not what this is about. This is about Section 119. You can get up to 30% off for the holidays. Go to section119.com. Use the promo code HFPOD. Um, you know, you have relatives and friends who are Fish and Grateful Dead fans who need comfy, warm clothing. So you should you should get that for them. They will thank you. We will thank you. Everyone will thank you. And, and you know, who doesn't want to be thanked, really? Do you agree, Brian? Everybody wants to be thanked. Your best friend, your favorite podcast listener, your favorite podcast co-host, your wife, your kids, everyone wants to be thanked and wearing section 119 showcasing your love for fish and the dead. will do that. I also want to tell you briefly about another one of our sponsors, our good friends at sunset Lake CBD. 
It's a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. How convenient. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I think we're all familiar with Ben and Jerry's in this room, right? Right? Yep. Yep. In 2018, they decided to diversify. They started growing hemp for CBD. With a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD coffee crafted to help with stress, aches, and pains. The CBD coffee is some of the most fascinating stuff I've ever drank in my life. I feel like I'm equally alert, attentive, focused, um, you know, finding through lines that don't exist only in my brain. And at the same time, incredibly relaxed, just incredibly relaxed. It's, it's like my favorite place to be. It's, it's amazing. Uh, Sunset Lake saves you money by shipping high quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Please visit sunsetlake.com and use promo code HFPOD for 20% off your purchase. Again, that's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code HFPOD. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. With that, let's get into the meat of this. We've talked about like the vibe of 1220. Talked about kind of what it's like alongside of 1230. But let's get into the nitty gritty of what is... What really makes 1229 so special? Megan, I want to start with you. Um, I want you to give me an essential 1229 show, perhaps a set, but also a jam. So what in your listening, in your deep listening, what was kind of the show or set and jam that really, really connected with you? Okay, so my favorite show that I listened to um, from 1229 is 2018. And it's interesting because it's 3.0, totally different sound from the shows that I was listening to in the 90s. But I put this show on and I went for a run and the fir- the opening is like 46 days, Wolfman, I'm sorry, uh, sorry, the beginning, Buried Alive, Blaze On, Turtle in the Clouds, Sloth, 46 days. It's straight into cities and then like a perfect cool down with Karina. But the beginning of that show is just so high energy and so driving. And it's just like I kept – like I ran for longer than I have run in so long because I was just super energized. And it just had this like incredible vibe energy to it. And then it had this perfect kind of cool down with Karina. And then Fun Yamar with the Wolfman's brother with Party Time Inside – great set closer. Like I just feel like that first set is just such a nice flow. I feel like it's the kind of show you'd put on when you're like cooking dinner for friends and you just 
catch yourself like dancing and like not doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's just like, so good. Um, I also thought the second set is awesome. I think they sound so hungry when they come out. They have this like Karini into this like huge tweezer with this death don't hurt very set very long inside of that, which is so great. And then into this like unbelievable cover of No Quarter, which is like I do like classic rock, Brian. I'm gonna tell you I do, and I do like it when Fish plays classic rock. Paige in that version is just like giving it. Like he is just singing like unbelievably. And I just think ending with 2001 and First Tube, I mean like that is just an incredible set closer. And then I think the most perfect encore ever, which is Shine a Light, one of my favorite Stone songs. Into Another classic rock song. Another, I like classic rock. I grew up on classic rock. I love it. I just don't like to go out on a sad note. I like, <laughs> if you're going to do Shine a Light, right? Which is kind of like a sad song. It is. Ending with Tweezer Reprise. Like that's the exclamation point that like leaves everybody like high-fiving on the way out of the show. And I remember when the show happened, I was listening to this show and I was going the next night and I was like, oh God, like there's going to be no juice left, but it was an amazing show the next night. But I, I think Buried Alive opener into that first set. I mean, I can't even decide which I like more, the first or the second set. It's kind of a tie. <laughs> but I really think this show is super strong and actually stands up against some of the other, um, as far as a whole show against some of the other 1229s. Yeah, this show has the 1229 vibe. Like it, the band seems excited. They seem settled into MSG, like right from the start of this show. That 46 days into cities, it's kind of one of those jams that just gets so overlooked because I think it's only about 12 minutes. Doesn't really peak. It's just kind of this exploratory little jam, but it adds so much to the set. And it really showcases like, there was a patience to the band in late 2018 and there was just so much excitement around casual boxed and about the sounds that they were producing, you know, Trey's playing with the Leslie uh, uh, amplifier a ton during that, that run. Um, and it just, I don't know, it's such a smooth jam, but that tweezer that goes to the, I know you rider jam is uh, one of my favorite tweezers of that year. It's really an amazing show, and I, I got to go to the show. This is my last 1229 show. I mean, there's only one more after this since, you know, <laughs> until the one coming up. But um, this, uh, I got to go, and I was down with Tom, and and it was really fun. Great, great night. Tweezer is always, you know, my favorite um, to, to hear live. And I got to – I was actually pretending I was going to use the, the restroom down – back behind the behind the stage area and i just stopped there and watched the first tube and the encore and uh got some great photos and video that i shared with these guys that really like that was it was such an amazing night and what a great show um i agree about the the energy it was just was just great um the, the night after this which we'll have to talk about next time was also just incredible but this is a really really cool really cool show i'm glad you uh I'm glad you went went deep on it megan thanks um i'm gonna right. yeah go. we're, we're gonna keep this rolling um yeah. megan we're gonna come back to you with your jam recommendation of if it was different from this but rj i'm gonna turn to you tell us about a 1229 show or a set that really struck st uh, stuck out to you 
I mean, you. I think anyone who's listened to HFPod in the past knows where I'm going with this. We had a rule on HFPod early, early on that every time we mentioned the Providence Bowie, one of us had to drink. And because it's the middle of the afternoon, I won't do that now. But, um, but you know, no offense if anyone wants to. And by the way, people who are watching, please send your comments on your your favorite 1229 shows. I'd love to hear from from people watching and listening. Um, the the 1229.94 show has my favorite jam of all time. I think it's, um, the whole show is really interesting. I mean, people go, you go to it just to listen to the David Bowie, of course, but the whole show is really, is pretty great. The Runaway Gym in foam, into foam opener has some, like a real segue and they, they were just, they were playing so well that night and, and on this, this tour, it's just incredible. The split open in Melba is really good in the first set. Um, but you know, this David Bowie is, it's, it's legendary. It's, it's too much to even talk about. And it, it, it just, it's overwhelming every time I've listened to it hundreds of times. And I don't think it gets any better than this fish wise. So, so this has to, this also tips the 1229 scale a little bit um, for me, because it's just such a, such an amazing, amazing jam. Um, I still think like, you know, the, the Soul Planet from this summer and the Ruby Waves from Alpine Valley, like other 35, 40 minute jams. I still think this is like among the best because it, to me, this is like the peak of organic jam development. Like it almost feels like they don't really know where it's going. And then once they figure out where it's going, it's just the, the, the peak and the payoff is just phenomenal. It's um, I don't know. I feel like some of those jams, like, and this is a whole different tangent, but I'll just keep going. I think some of those jams, like the Ruby Waves from Alpine, even the Tahoe Tweezer, I, I feel like some of those are like, they were clearly pushing themselves to keep going. Whereas like in this jam, I think it feels like they don't really know that it's still going, but they're just, they're really like kind of going with the flow in a way that is, uh, that's pretty amazing. And I think like you can hear it, that it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're like, okay, we're going to jam this for 35 minutes. It's uh it's an organic and, and natural journey to this wonderful place. I don't know if you guys agree with any of that, but that, that's my take on it. I, I do. I mean, I think it's a really, <clears throat> every superlative could be thrown at this jam, just like first and foremost, but like just thinking about it, where fish was at in their career at that point, like they had really intentionally been pushing a lot of jams throughout November and into December. Um, the Minneapolis Bowie, the Banger, and the um, Bozeman Tweezer, among a number of other ones. There's a Simple from Ann Arbor. This one feels, to your point, less like they're intentionally trying to reach 35 minutes and more like we're just going to keep playing because our fingers won't stop moving and the music won't stop coming. Like It, it, just, it just keeps going and keeps going. And you know, they reach this point where you're in a Harry Hood jam. And then that fades out into one of the creepiest segments of a fish jam ever that I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like in the room. And um, our, our good buddy, Jonathan, um, who couldn't be here today, he he was there and, and we were talking about it uh, just, just um, over text messages over the last couple of days. Like, the vibe in that room when they were playing this was unlike anything else. And I, I have another good buddy shout out to uh, Josh Carver uh, past guest of HF pod who was at this show. And he mentioned to me something I never thought about with regards to this. 
at that time he hadn't heard any November or December fish shows. You know, this is old ages of blanks and postages. You weren't guaranteed to know that this is how fish plays now. And he just walked into the show it was probably his like fifth or sixth fish show. And they play David Bowie sweet. They're playing David Bowie, but then they go into this amazing version. And he was like, this is a band that I didn't know existed at this. Like, I didn't know that this was what they could do right now. Um, and it says a lot that this jam is the only time that I'm aware of that the band took a bow mid set. Like they just knew we just played something magical for you all. I can't believe Jonathan was there either. I don't think I would have survived it. I mean, I had to like walk out of a Grateful Dead show during drum space before because I just couldn't handle it. So I feel like this is just, it gets so scary and dark, but I feel like this is an example of why 1995 happened for them. Like why they reached this pinnacle is because they were really willing to like go anywhere and take their audience with them. And I think that like traveling to these like really unimaginable like sonic landscapes. And I agree, it sounds so organic and it's kind of a mystery how they get to where they're going, but it just, it just, they're going there and it's just completely organic, like you said, RJ. And I think that what's amazing is that they create this like huge piece of art basically and then just like launch into Haley's comments like, doot, doot, bob, bob. It's just like, oh my God, these guys are so nimble. Like, this is incredible. Like, you can create this, like, right. It's the kind of piece, like, this is like orchestral piece that most, you know, I don't know, musicians would do practice for months to perform and then, you know, take this huge bow would be like, that would be the piece. And they just do it in the middle of a show. Like, that's just incredible. I was at my daughter's soccer, soccer practice when I was listening to this. And I was sitting there in this like kind of cool space, Brooklyn, where you're like drinking a beer, watching soccer practice, listening to this. And I'm pretty sure anybody that was looking looking at my face was thinking like, what is going on with that woman? <laughs> Cause my face was just like, Oh my God, what's happening? Like, this is crazy. Oh my God, this is terrifying. This is beautiful. Like it's just, it's amazing. It's everywhere. I, I want to just say that also, this was a pretty big venue for them at the time too, which I think is like the, a different, different than we're used to. We're used to like the, the big, I mean, I, like whenever they play a small venue, everyone like races to get tickets because it's like wow this is a small place it's going to be different it's going to be special this was like a pretty big place for them to be playing and a little bit off the off the path you know um from from philadelphia the night before but they i don't know hearing everyone's stories about being there is is so great but i think it was like i don't know what happened but this does brian going back to what i said before i'm really not criticizing you for seeing the through line i think you're i think you're you just you see things that that I don't in this, which is great, and I think this is maybe a maybe an example of them kind of building toward toward New Year's while also just being willing, like you said, Megan, to, to really like put it out there and, and take risks. I think it's also while this just dawned on me, and I probably thought about this before, but like they're playing this the night before their first ever performance at Madison Square Garden. And to like put themselves in their shoes of late 94 fish. They're about to play on Letterman for the first time. They're about to play in the biggest venue, the the most important venue that will define their career in a lot of cases over the preceding quarter century. And yet they're just throwing everything out there, knowing that most of these people are probably coming to MSG, but also it, it feels kind of like a thank you. In a, in a way, in the same way that like the um, 
Gamehenge at Great Woods that previous summer felt like a like a sincere thank you to the Northeast that's been with us over the previous decade. Like this feels like that. Like thank you all for trusting us as we now go to the big city and we try to play like Madison Square Garden of all places. It's just it's 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 wild to think that they were able to get to that headspace where they play a jam that this is not my favorite jam of all time, but I would say this is a top 10 top 15 fish jam ever and they play it the night before they play this show that just has so many historical ramifications um anything else we want to say about 12 94 i think that we can probably say a lot about it but <laughs> i want to give some some other 12 29 shows some love. i think we should we need to or we're gonna get, we're gonna get yelled at <laughs> um so i want to shout out my favorite 1229 show, which um, I, I feel like I'm firmly planted a flag in 1995 fish, which is not where I do all of my listening, but it is where I love my, my heart is in 1999, 1995 fish, even though I couldn't be there. But the uh, Worcester Centrum show, 122995, specifically the second set. Um, Megan, you mentioned it. Mike's bass player, longtime or uh, bass teacher comes on for a jam, but Prior to that, you get this just kind of goofy Macasupa policeman to set the vibe, get you into the show. You get cars, trucks, buses, and you get one of my favorite jams ever, The Real Gin. It sounds exactly like you want 1995 Fish to sound. Trey is just playing like power chords so aggressively that I, I don't understand how he didn't break a string. The melody is so strong and rich. The groove is starting to be found. Like this is not the 1997 fish that will be, you know, just like slinky and groove driven. This is kind of a awkward, dorky, groovy fish, but like in the best way possible, like the reason why we all fall in love with them. And that jam, as Jacob Moreno said, Trey's raspy vocals, like when he's yelling the real me, I get chills every time I hear it. Like there's, there's no way I can hear this jam without, you know, feeling like I've been transported to early, early fish that I never got to see, but like it's there in my head. And then you go into McGrupp, one of the oldest compositions that the band has ever written. These like, you know, moments of game henge imagery and, you know, the, the page uh, uh, piano solo that comes in, it just sounds like fish from the eighties. Big Black Furry Creature from Mars goes into that jam with Mike's bass instructor, LaGrange, bouncing around the room, and Fire. Um, it's just a complete set. It feels like 1995 Fish, and it feels like you know they're about to play their second and third show at MSG, one of which will be regarded by many as their best show that they've ever played. And it still feels like a fish that is still a secret. You know, they're playing the Worcester Centrum of all places before MSG. And they throw down this set that is just filled with fish lore, but also filled with jamming that kind of hints the way at where the band is going to go two, three, four years later. That was actually my pick for my favorite jam that um, the real me, Jen. I think that like the aggressiveness and the hard heading beginning to Jen, it's just, it's inspiring. I think they just come on just just so ready to tackle that. And I love that Real Me is such a rock star moment. And you can just hear Trey just like totally loving that, which I think is yeah. so fun. Um, I love that jam too. The 95, the 95 jams are just, you know, 
pretty special. The, the thing I noticed going back to it was the the moment that the audience realizes that they're playing real me. It's yeah. pretty cool, right? <laughs> like you can hear people start to catch on and you hear everyone go nuts. And that's a, that's a really cool thing that, you know, doesn't, um, you know, that's not, that's not a super common thing, you know, for like the whole audience to be like, what is this? And then everyone realizes at once. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It reminds me a bit of, um, five years later, the, uh, six twenty nine two thousand. The drowned in a rock and roll, where you where you hear as the band is playing the rock and you know starting to find their way to rock and roll, the crowd starts to realize it, and it's something that's such a testament to Fish fans. Is like there's so much listening happening happening during a show that when they're playing bathtub gin, they've played the real me once, and I'm sure most people in the crowd have heard Quadrophenia, but they've not everyone has heard fish play quadrophenia. So they don't know that this is, you know, they know that they played it, but it's not, again, this is an era where you didn't have live fish to listen to the Halloween set repeatedly. So like when they get to that, you just have people that are so dedicated knowing this is a reference. This is a callback to the Halloween show. It fits perfectly in this style of jamming that they were in, in 1995. And it just, um, I don't know when you, when you when you think about the band audience communication and that back and forth it's a really special moment. So Megan that was your jam of 1229 but I want to still give you the floor here. Are there any other shows are there any other jams that you want to shout out that that make 1229 special for you? Um, I mean, I was there in 1998, and I, I thought that show was pretty cool. They yeah. had really, really fun rock and roll opener, such a fun way to start a show. I think that Funky Bitch is awesome. This limb by limb they go into is just soaring. I mean, it's really beautiful. And then they have that incredible, spacey intro into 2001. This is a great version of 2001. I just think fish comes in playing the beat but the others just keep doing their like weird spacey sounds and then they find this super cool like groove over it i think it's like nine minutes into the song before trey even plays the like main chords of that (laughs) 2001 it's so cool and then they go right back into the jam and they kind of masterfully build up to the crescendo notes and i think the payoff from the crowd you can hear it is just nuts people are loving it and I also love this, You Enjoy Myself. There's just such a nice groove and they're using lots of different effects. And this is just a great example, I think, in 98 of how they're kind of pulling that funk work from 97 into 98, but um, but changing it up. I really like the show a lot. And I had a lot of fun when I was there. That is awesome. That's a great show. Yeah, the 2001 is, is just fantastic. Really, really great. Um, Brian, can I can I... Can I throw one in there? You can you always throw another one in there. I want to just the, the 2017 show. I think the, the chalk dust torture. I've seen like a lot of great chalk dust torture jams at MSG, including this one and the, and the Baker's dozen one. But this is the second set in 2017 sand chalk dust ghost number line, simple split open and melt, just like a really great set. Um, this ghost has always, I've always really liked it cause they're, it, they're pretty early on in the jam and the ghost Mike has this like, kind of like takes it to this indie rock vibe, like space. Yeah. And it's sort of a, a sound that I don't hear very often from them. And it always, every time I listen to it, it like sticks out. I really like that. That set a lot. Um, split open and melt is, uh, is, is really fun to, to end with too. So that, uh, 
that's one that like the, the chalk dust in the ghost though, particularly I, I really love. I'm so glad you shouted out that ghost. That is one of my favorite jams from that new year's run. And one that I, I just, it just doesn't get a ton of attention and love. Like Trey just plays chords throughout it. And it's beautiful. Like moves into a space that I don't know. It doesn't, uh, it does not a lot of ghosts go to that place. It doesn't reach a bliss jam. It's not really scary. It's just kind of pretty and it's and it's just like floating and uh it reminds me a bit of um the uh uh ghost from atlantic city this past summer which which was another one of my favorites um can i throw one in because the great jackson richards actually just called yes. it out uh 15 seconds before i said it uh he's, he's, <laughs> he's absolutely totally right, right. He's totally right. 2013, um, the disease specifically, I do love the Karini. It gets into just like a wild rhythmic, like just crazy uh, jam space. But the down with disease, a few things about this. First of all, there's this beautiful little intro before they get into like the full bass swell before Mike's first notes and they pause it. And one of my favorite moments of like any fish shows, Trey just steps to the mic and goes, thank you. We wrote that. And it's such a great nod to the fact that they aren't playing any covers <laughs> that new year's run. He's got this like stupid little smile on his face and it's like become an inside joke between myself and a couple of my really close fish buddies. Um, and it's just like, it's just, it's a nothing moment that like, I just, I love uh, the band just like recognizing that they're playing a gag on the, on the fan base throughout the entire run. But then the disease goes into this quiet jam that Mike just throws down some of the biggest bombs I've ever heard. Like I was not there, but watching on the webcast, like you could almost see the sides of MSG vibrating with his bass. It just, it fills everything. And if you listen to it on the audio, the uh, audience tape from re-listen, like you really get a sense of how much his bass swells just took up the entire room. And then it somehow works its way back into the down with disease riff. You get that crazy Karini and it finishes with just like great set listing waves, twist, neither of which jam, but don't really need to go apparatus and David Bowie. It's just an awesome, well-constructed set that starts out with um, somehow. I mean, it's, there's so many great 1229 jams, but this might be my most return to 1229 jam. I just love the vibe of this disease. RJ, I think you were at that show and I feel like you've told me that either you or Rachel or both of you took a nap at some point during this show. <laughs> I was going to tell that story and I didn't remember if I've ever told anyone that. And I'm glad because my wife's not watching or listening, but um, it was three months after our first kid was born and my friend who works for the NBA got us into the box. And so we were like having fun. It was my wife's first like time out of the house basically since after our, our first child was born and at set break she like laid down on the couch and took a nap um and at some point i'm like i like look over and i'm like sweating through my clothes and like just going nuts and she's like fast asleep on the couch and um it was great everyone had a good time it's kind of crazy uh, dick dick's 2018 my my wife and i both uh nodded off during set break just because parenting and going to fish shows it's a it's a lot it's a big thing so so i i feel it um, I will say, I just want to say that the It's Ice in the first set is just really still one of the best, my favorite versions of that song um, that I've seen. And 
just like really funky and they went they went pretty deep on it so that was that was a pretty cool pretty cool experience it was great yeah amazing amazing set and there's so much more we could have uh tossed out i can't believe that we made our way through an hour of 1229 fish and didn't talk about the tube from 122997 oh my god piper from 122903 oh my Tweezer god from 122909 wow uh, what am i forgetting here um the miami piper has to be uh, that that's a, that's a big oversight yeah, if we could get someone to just play us out on that just crazy <laughs> peaking riff that Trey gets to and play like, us don't out. Think that he can go that any mean? faster, but like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Remember it was a, it was like a meme for a while. Like people just referred to the song as Miami Piper, you know. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's just so it was man, so powerful. Oh, Man, right out you, of the gate too. Like first, like opening the show with that yeah. is just, I mean, that's really badass. That's monster. I mean, it just, it's, it's roaring. That Piper is, it's incredible. It's roaring. such a strange year. I know, Brian, I know you're a big mm-hmm. fan, but it's just such a weird, that whole, that whole run is so weird. The whole year is just so weird. It's, it's a, uh, there are moments like that that are pretty, pretty amazing. I've already booked us for not this summer, but the next summer we're doing an entire, the entire month of July will be focusing on um, 2003 and the greatness of 2003. We've already got sponsors booked. Every single episode will be a deep dive into a 2003 show because it is a year that deserves everyone's love. But before we get to that, that's, you know, 18 months away or so we will be back here on Thursday, December 9th at 3 PM Eastern to talk about what is one of ours, you'll have to figure out who's, one of ours favorite dates of the year Wow! in fish history. The best, according to someone. I don't know who. Uh, it also Just one or more than one? We'll have to find out. Maybe more yeah. than one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm-, I'm Many people are saying this. it. Many, people, Many are people are saying that this is the best year, best day of the year in fish history. Um, I'm excited. It's December 30th. We will be back here on Thursday to talk about that. Before we go, though, RJ, will you tell us about our first presenting sponsor? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I have mentioned before, but I'll mention it again, that um, HF Pod on tour is presented by Shift Genuine Cannabis, based and sold in Colorado, where it's sunny and not cloudy like it is here in Philadelphia. Um, Shift is great. I will say that I will be taking my shift cartridge and pen to the World Cafe live show that I'm going to momentarily. Um, they make such great stuff. Go to shiftcannabis.com to check them out. And thank you, Shift. Our second sponsor here that we'd love to tell you about is Section 119. RJ is wearing a hoodie from Section 119. If you've came, if you've come late and you've stood here going, what is that amazing hoodie that that dude has on? It like says that he's a fish fan without like saying he's a fish fan. It's an amazing thing. And it's a pretty comfortable hoodie, isn't it, RJ? Would you describe it as wearing a hug? Yes. <laughs> RJ, I think you need to model more often. Like, yeah. If you guys, if you guys think it's going to help, I'm, 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 I'm up for it. <laughs> we will have a runway installed. Uh, in, in both of our homes before Thursday and we'll just do the walk up. Um, section 119, our presenting sponsor, they are running their biggest promo ever. You can score up to 30% off for the holidays. 
Very simple. How do we do this? Very simply. Visit section119.com. Find cool gifts for your wife, your husband, your brother, your dad, whatever, your cousin, someone who does amazing podcasts about fish or potentially the Grateful Dead. It could be either one of those. Or maybe just treat yourself. Maybe you need to be taken care of this holiday season. Again, that's section119.com. You'll be able to score 30% off for the holidays. On the way out, just take the their uh, post-purchase survey. Let them know that HF Pod sent them or sent you, I should say. Uh, we would love that. We want to know that we are sending good people to buy good products. And with that... We will close out here today. We'll see you back here on Thursday. RJ, Megan, really excited to talk with you about a pretty decent day of the year, December 30th. I'm excited. I can't wait. Um, I can't wait either. I'm going to count the beats. Thanks, everyone, for hanging with us. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back here soon. Take care. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Grey Street.